Hello and welcome to Gunfighter Cast episode 65. I'm John McGregor. Daniel's not here today. Last I knew, he was climbing Mount Fuji and doing some other interesting things overseas. So I'm going to try handling this one all by myself today. First of all, right as we record this, it's July 22nd, a couple days after the Aurora, Colorado shootings. And we just want to send our thoughts and prayers out to the, the victims and families of that tragedy. I'm sure that Daniel and I will be discussing that on a future show. For now, just do whatever you can to keep you and yours safe. Our show today is going to be an interview with Jorge Amsel. He's a freelance writer. He uh, writes for the NRA and Harris Publications. And Harris Publications, he's going to explain in the interview what uh, some of those magazines are. It might be a name that uh, you haven't heard of, but if you've spent any time reading gun magazines, you've probably read something of his. But before the interview, just going to have a quick word from our sponsor, Aries Gear. The website is www.aresgear.com. Jake Siebens has been making his tactical belts. His first was the Ranger belt in 2007, and basically that's an inch and a half belt. That's the one uh, Daniel and I are both wearing on a daily basis now. But he also has a two-inch version called his duty belt, as well as a backpacking-type belt. And we spoke about it before, but you really can't underestimate the importance of a good belt and a concealed carry system. I've carried on this belt the belt-mounted gear, the paddle-type holsters, and it's all super comfortable with this belt. So I can't recommend it enough to people. Again, that's Jake at www.ariesgear.com. Also, check him out on Facebook as well because he does uh, sometimes post not just things about his products but also some other interesting stuff on there. So definitely go check him out there. Now, without any further rambling by me, I'm going to get right into the interview. Welcome back to this segment of the show where I'm going to be talking with Jorge Amsel. Uh, Jorge Amsel is a freelance writer. He uh, writes for a couple, uh, at least a couple well-known sources of gun-related articles and so forth. And uh, just have him uh, introduce himself, tell us uh, what he does. Hello, Jorge. Uh, hi, John. How's it going there? Good. How have, uh, how have you been since I saw you last on a rainy day in May? I've been I've uh, been keeping pretty busy, uh, testing a lot of a lot of guns, uh, going on a lot of a lot of gun running trips, um, a lot of different events. So it's uh, it's always uh, always something new going on. Well, that sounds like it's sounds like it's a lot of fun. Uh, where would they have seen your uh, writing before? Uh, well, I write a lot for Harris Publications, and those uh, magazines are combat handguns, uh, tactical weapons, guns and weapons for law enforcement, special weapons for military and police. They also do a lot of. Uh, uh, special issues. They do like the Glock Annual. They do a special magazine on pocket pistols. Uh, they do a home defense magazine as well. It's not monthly, it's just a few times a year. Uh, and then I also write uh, for some of the NRA magazines, uh, less so, but uh, Shooting Illustrated, uh, a little bit for American Rifleman, and also for NRA Insights. What's the junior magazine? Now, sometimes uh, the NRA magazine, do you always have a byline in there, or sometimes are you like a staff writer? No, I'm a I'm a freelance writer, so um, you know they do obviously they do have staff writers uh, for the NRA magazines. But for Rifleman, what I've gotten on there has been in the magazine has been without a byline. So like a lot of the dope bags in the back of the magazine, just the short reviews of guns and gear, those won't have a byline. Uh, and then the, I also will do online articles, web exclusives for some of the NRA and Harris Publication magazines that you can only find online. Hmm. What's a website that people would go to get those articles? 
Well, probably the best one would be uh, one for Harris, which is tacticallife.com. So if you just uh, Google tacticallife.com, uh, there's a hyphen in between tactical and life. You'll be able to see their website, see a lot of their web exclusives, including the one I did, the Six Hour Academy, uh, some of the new um, short barreled rifles that SIG has. Um, that's all on there. You know, a lot of times we'll do videos on there as well. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to go on there sort of to really check stuff out and get a sneak preview on things before it comes out in the magazines. Would you uh, would you say that you're a writer who likes to shoot, or are you a shooter who likes to write? Which which kind of came first with you? Well, I, with most people, I think the, the shooting came first. But I, you know, although I did, you know, grow up shooting, and you know, I was in the military, and you know, a lot of a lot, a lot of experience with shooting. You know, professionally, I've always been a writer. So that's you know, since I was in college, I was always writing. So I do consider myself a, a writer who shoots more than a shooter who writes. So I look at it more like I'm reporting on, on, on shooting, I'm reporting on the guns and equipment rather than, you know, I'm a super gun expert who's also talking about the, the stuff. Hmm. So now, it's, it's, what's fun about it is every time I, you know, I get a new gun or a new piece of equipment is I'm, I'm learning about it as I'm writing about them. So I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in any of this stuff. And that's the first thing that I realized when I started writing is that, boy, I, I realized how little I actually do know about guns. Which is probably not the smartest thing to say for a gun writer, but you know, uh, to be honest, it's I really it takes a lot of time to educate yourself on these things before you start writing about them. So it's it's always a continuing learning process. So when, uh, like, say somebody sends you a product, do you have to do all the kind of investigating on your own, or do you contact the company and say, "Well, tell me about this," or is it kind of a combination? Uh, it's it's both. I mean, clearly with. For example, I, I do a lot of reviews of, of AR rifles, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so by this point, I, I've become pretty familiar with the AR. So when I get an AR, I, mean, I understand the basics. What I'm looking for with each new AR I get is well, what's different about this one, what sets this one up. And for that, you do rely a lot on the manufacturer. For example, they tell you, you know, we use 4150 steel in the barrel. Well, there's no way for me to test it. I got to take their word for it. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of the, the details on, on the guns come from the manufacturer, and then I'll also research as much as I can on my own. And then, of course, I go through the whole testing procedure where I, I strip the gun down, take a look at everything, take it out to the range, test fire it, you know, do all my accuracy testing, all my reliability testing. You know, we test multiple uh, uh, different kinds of manufacturers' ammunition, different weight bullets, you know, to put the gun through its paces. And then, um, then just write up the review. But obviously, for some guns that I'm less familiar with, there's a lot more work involved. And, and some of them are, are pretty interesting, especially if they have a historical aspect. You know, so you really get into, you know, how did this design evolve? Where did it come from? And I try to get into that as well, too. Without, I don't like to get too technical in my writing because I'm, I'm, I, I prefer to write more for, for sort of the general gun audience rather than a gun expert. Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming that, you know, most of the guys that just pick up the magazine off the newsstand, you know, aren't going to be an expert on different kinds of steel, you know, in the barrel of a different rifle. They're going to want more of a general perspective and, and of the overview of, of the gun itself. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I'm no, uh, I mean, I'm certainly not an expert. I'm, I shoot rifles and so forth. But I guess if you tell me it's got 41040 versus 41020 steel, I'm, I'm not going to know the difference anyway. <laughs> there's, there's only a handful of people who, who take that really, really seriously. And, mm-hmm. and uh, God help you if you get that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. That sounds like experience talking. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, you figure, you know, for every, um, you know, every person that complains, you know, there's a dozen others that, that, Felt the same way, but didn't bother to complain. You know, it's I don't get a lot of complaints. I don't get a lot of compliments either. But uh, usually, the, the the complaints will be on, on something that the reader feels that well, this is technically not correct, or you know, this is 
somewhat different than that. And, you know, we, we, uh, the magazine is very good about reprinting corrections, you know, running corrections because we do want to get it right. And, you know, no one person can be an expert at everything, but there's always an expert on something who's reading your stuff. Yeah. So uh, we do the best we can. And, and, uh, you know, we do rely a lot on the manufacturers to give us a lot of the specifics, but you do occasionally, you know, flub one here or there. And then, uh, you know, the reader always, the reader is always uh, catches you on that and lets you know about it. So that's always fun. (laughs) Yeah. But how do you stay objective when i mean you must have you know manufacturers sending you free stuff and so forth how do you how do you take that out of the equation i mean it, it would seem like you know just getting getting something for free is going to kind of guide your you know your view to be more positive than it than it might be otherwise uh, how do you keep you know that kind of stuff from influencing your work well, it's, uh, you know, the ethics is our value, value concern. And, um, you know, for example, um, for the magazines, you know, many of the magazines, you know, if you work for the magazine, you're, you're an employee of, of the publisher, uh, a lot of them will have different rules uh, regarding what they consider ethically acceptable and what you can accept for what you cannot accept for. You usually do a dollar limit. You can accept if it's less than $100, not a problem. You know, no one's going to be, you know, willing to sell themselves down the river for free ball cap. But, you know, if it's more than $100, like a free gun or something, then that, that you can't accept. That, that, but that depends on the magazine. That's usually only for the people. Freelancers, it's, a little, it's, it's quite different. The magazines recognize that, you know, this is what you're doing for a living and that, you know, some of these freebies that you may get are, are kind of a, a perk of the job. But I don't assume that anything I receive for testing or evaluation is something that I'm just going to be able to keep free, especially if it's a gun, which is it's almost never the case where a manufacturer will say, ah, oh, yeah, just go ahead and keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, a lot of times optics, you know, optics can be, you know, as you know, pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's pretty rare that, that a manufacturer will want to let you keep something. And I, I usually don't have room or, or space to be storing all the stuff that comes in all the time for me to test anyways. So I'm, I'm usually more than ready to send it back. Don't. But uh, it is a challenge, and, and you just try to be fair. I mean, obviously, if, if, if a manufacturer sends you something and it doesn't work, even if you let you keep it for free, you're not going to want it. It's not really going to influence your, your view of the item. So every review, uh, you know, I do a fair analysis. If, if there's a problem with a product, I say, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z happened, and, and it happened, and uh, sometimes you occasionally get something that really doesn't wait you, and you have to send it back to the manufacturer for them to fix it, just like you would if you were a regular consumer, and uh, give them a chance to make it right. But uh, that, in terms of, of, of getting, you know, getting the keep stuff here and there, you know, I've been, I've been buying guns and collecting guns and shooting for a long time. There's not a whole lot that I don't already have, unfortunately, I mean, much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> so you're not, uh, not going to be influenced by a uh, $200 pistol or something? Or anything else? Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah. You know, if, 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 I, if I see something that I really like, that I really enjoyed, that I was really impressed by, you know, that I wanted to hold on to, uh, I'll contact the manufacturer and I'll say, hey, you know, I'm done with my review. And usually it's always until after I've done it. I don't mm-hmm. try to get something before I've done the review. And I'll let them know, hey, I'm, I'm really interested in this and holding on to it. You know, could I, you know, can you, what can you do for me? And usually they'll, they'll say, oh, you can have it at wholesale. You know, usually the distributor price is what they'll give you on stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, from their perspective, you know, now it's a used gun. They can't sell it as a new gun. Yeah. Um, you know, they can send it to other reviewers, uh, certainly, but it's, it's not quite the same. For, you know, so the value of them getting it back, a lot of times it's, it's more in their interest, especially with optics and such, for you to hold on to it and maybe use for other articles. Mm-hmm. And I, I do that a lot. Well, I, I, you know, there's been optics that I was really impressed by that I, I just purchased it from the manufacturer and I use it a lot for my accuracy testing. So it sounds like, you know, you do get some products that, you know, you're happy to send back, but others you want to hang on to. What are some, you know, some of your favorite products that uh, you've been able to review? And I guess that would, do you, do you also review like training locations? Uh, I do. I do review um, 
uh, some of the fun uh, locations I went to, um, obviously I went to the Six Hour Academy and, and uh, took a class there on, on the patrol rifle. That was a great class and I wrote that up. That hasn't come out yet. But I've been out to a gun site for some training out there. And also I got a chance to visit, you know, the Gander Mountain stores. They have them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, a, f- a few of them have ranges. I think there's maybe a dozen of them have, have their own ranges, including a virtual range, which is a, basically a, a video range where you're using a, a, a laser gun to shoot at, at these video screens. Uh, and some of them, they down in Florida, they have one which is a, a 300-degree range, you know, with all, you know, HD video, live, you know, actors that are doing all the scenarios, and, and it's, they have it set up for concealed carry holders that can go through these different scenarios where you're accosted in a parking lot, or, you know, you're in a convenience store, and someone comes in and tries to rob it, or, you know, you hear somebody behind your house, and you go around the corner, and you find someone trying to break in through your window, and then how do you react? And you know, how you react affects how the, the characters on the screen react to you. So that was a really cool facility that they have out there that, uh, for that type of training. And um, hopefully they'll, they'll have it in more places because it's not, that's not something you can just go down to any, any range and do this type of live video you know, simulations. Like that. Mostly that's really restricted to law enforcement. So that was, that was a pretty cool one. So I do get a lot to do a lot of the um, training in, in um, you know, sniper schools and uh, some law enforcement schools and a lot of good civilian types of training. So I, that I, that's one of the aspects that I really enjoy because it helps me as well. Because otherwise, you know, I wouldn't hardly get the opportunity to get a lot of that training myself. Yeah, and I guess the the training you don't have to give back, right? You really can't once you uh, no, once you learn a skill, it's yours to keep. Not not really. I can't, I can't give back the trips. I can't give back the meals. I can't give back the training. You know that stuff. Uh, that stuff I have to keep. It sounds like you've uh, got a chance to visit some uh, some cool places. Do you have any uh, products that be it a firearm or pretty much anything in your experience? Something that uh, you were particularly enamored with when you got to review it. Uh, it was a, a Trigicon uh, AccuScope or AccuSport scope. It's a, a three by nine uh, by forty scope. It's just a fantastic scope, and uh, you know, was, I reviewed it. I was really impressed with it, and, and uh, I decided to go ahead and, and purchase it. They, they gave me the distributed price on that for that scope, uh, and I used that scope pretty much almost exclusively for my accuracy testing. Now. So for any any rifle I'm testing out, you know, do standard hundred yard uh, accuracy results. I'm using that scope over and over and over again. I'll use other scopes, you know, with the rifles for, you know, the red dot scopes for more close in shooting or uh, different types of situations. But when it comes to the accurate results, I, I know I'm always going to get the same results, you know, and using the same standard, the same equipment for testing each gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one I was really impressed with. In terms of guns, you know, it's, is a combination of things. Obviously, you know, if you pay a lot of money, you should get some really good quality. And there are, you know, like I, I tested out uh, an HK um, the MR762, which is a 308 AR uh, that they have. You know, it's a four thousand dollar gun. It should perform. Right? <laughs> it, should, it should perform extremely well, and, and it did. You know, so that that's impressive. But you know, it's four thousand dollars. I could have almost bought a car. The what I, what I'm most impressed by are production guns. You know, reasonably priced. You know, run of the mill guns that really perform well. And I've I've like uh, like Delton is a good AR company. You know, that they, they they don't do mass production. They just do pretty small runs. They do some specialized guns, but they're very reasonably priced. And you know, I've always had really good results with them. So that was one I, I purchased from them as well because I, I decided this is just I liked it too much. I said I, I want to go ahead and add yet another AR to my collection. But yeah, you do. Um, that's usually what I like the best, and what I like the least is when I get a gun that doesn't function. Uh, then that, that's the least impressive because I can I can see it from the perspective of the consumer, which I was for and still am. You know, that I can't imagine you know spending a thousand dollars on a gun and taking it to the range and it not working. I mean, actually, I can't imagine that. But that is that is not a pleasant experience. You know, or even spending five hundred dollars on it and taking it to the range and not working. It's happened. You know, I know it happens to people who buy guns, like you know, buy computers, you buy cars, you get stuff that doesn't work, and it's really aggravating. So you know, it's it's important to have manufacturers that, that are reliable, and if you go back to them with a problem, 
they'll solve it. And that's always been my experience, fortunately. Now, I don't know if you if you know this or not. I Like, let's say I'm a company and I'm producing, uh, you know, this pistol and I'm going to send it to you to do your review. Do the manufacturers just pick one off the shelf and send it? Or is it, uh, you know, something like, well, I know this is going to Jorge. He's going to do a review on it. Let's make sure it works and, you know, tune it up and all this other stuff. Do you, do you think the, the stuff you see gets special treatment or, or do you think they, they really just pull it off the shelf? Well, uh, I, I would, judging from, you know, uh, what I'm getting, I, I'm thinking that they're just pulling it off the shelf because, you know, you, you get... The, the guns obviously haven't been broken in, especially with pistols. And, mm-hmm. you know, with any new handgun, uh, you know, semi-auto, you get a two to 300 round breaking period easy. So a lot of times with these guns, you know, especially with the first 50 to 100 rounds or so, you know, I'll get a misfeed or a failure to eject. That's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guns are, you know, brand new in the box, right off the assembly line, not broken in at all. So that's that's something that goes into the article. If, if I have an issue, hey, you know, this is within the breaking period. I had you know two failures to feed or whatever the issue was. So and then occasionally, you know, they'll, you know, the manufacturer will say, oh, you said my my gun had a failure to feed. I'm like, well, yeah. Sometimes that happens. I mean, you're a manufacturer. You should know that. But it's um, yeah, judging from from the the, the guns I get and sometimes the the quality issues that, that come up, I, I'd be surprised if they were hand picking them out from. Then they're not doing a good job of hand picking. <laughs> yeah, has there um. I mean, obviously, like you, I think you had alluded to, there's some products that have, you know, that have failed when they reached you. And you don't have to mention like manufacturers or anything, but like what's an, what's an example of something that really didn't perform as you had thought it was supposed to? Well, um, you know, sometimes I'll have something that just a, a persistent problem, you know, third round of, of a new magazine will always fail the feet. You know, for, for whatever reason, it's a bad magazine, you know, but if they only send me one magazine, then I can only test the one magazine. But, you know, you do have issues. I mean, you know, guns are mechanical devices, like any mechanical device, mm-hmm. you're going to have problems. A lot of times with semi-automatics, the magazine is the first thing you should check and first thing you should swap out whenever you're having some issues. Yeah. Um, so there's those sorts of things where you get the, you know, a bad magazine or just a persistent problem with something it has to be sent back. Sometimes I'll get issues with, you know, with rifles or uh, a lot of times with rifles have been converted to pistols. You know, you get those AR pistols or AK pistols. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, and this will happen to me occasionally on the range where, where it'll, it'll double fire. You know, you squeeze the trigger once and you get two shots to come out. And that's, that's not supposed to happen. You know, that's, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, that happens. That's the end of my testing. I got to send it back. It's like, look, I can't test this unless you fix it. So that's a little aggravating because you, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, driving back and forth to the range, you know, getting the ammunition together, doing your testing, and then everything stops when something like that happens and, and, and it's got to be, it's got to be fixed. So th- those sorts of things are, are to come up, but it's, it's very rarely you get something that's just, it's just completely doesn't work at all. Uh, in fact, in fact, it's only ever happened to me once where I had a gun that just, the safety isn't working. I mean, it's, it's just, it does it just doesn't work. But that was really, like I said, the one time with, uh, you know, a very small manufacturer. Yeah, I guess that sounds like probably evidence that people aren't kind of handpicking stuff that they send you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Plus, it, it, I mean, it sounds like you've got enough, uh, enough experience that you could take a pistol and, and field strip it and see if it's brand spanking new or if it's been worn in and something like that. Yeah, and, and again, um, you know, most of the stuff, I mean, all the stuff I can get in, get in, it's brand new in box. All the tags are still on it. It's, I mean, obviously the manufacturers, will, you know, put a few rounds through them to test fire. Um, that's pretty standard. In many states, they're also required for handguns. Required to include the um, fired shell casings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes you'll see that a lot in pistols. I think there's only a couple states that require that, but like almost all manufacturers now just throw that in there anyways. So it's it, obviously it has been test fired, but it's not. They're not broken in. Yeah. 
Well, if you don't mind, let me switch uh, channels a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the shooting and the uh, the places and the things, but do you have um, what do you, advice do you have for somebody that uh, kind of wants to follow in your footsteps of of being a writer for a gun magazine? Well, you know, the magazines are always looking for for writers, um, you know, and, and new people to, to write for them. I mean, there's there's more than enough work to go around, you know. Certainly, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm doing this now full time, and most of the writers don't do it full time; they do it part time. You know, a lot of guys are cops, and they do this on the side, or uh, or they have a you know they have a firearm business, or they're training, and then they write on the side as well. But you know, even if you want to do it full time, there's certainly plenty of work. And uh, my advice would be to, to contact some of the publishers. Uh, you know, let them know you're interested. Read the magazines. You know, because you definitely want to get you know in tune with the style of the writing. Because it's you know, it's not like you would blog or not how you have a conversation with someone. There's a very it can be very technical. So there's you know your intro, your technical description of the gun, and then you got to close it up, and then the testing criteria that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be you have to be, you want to become familiar with that. You also want to be familiar as much as possible on, on the subject. So there's a lot of times where I'll turn down assignments because I just don't feel comfortable. Like, you know, I'm not qualified to talk to people about you know methods of personal protection because yeah, I can still carry, but I'm no personal protection expert. You know, and I, I certainly wouldn't want to give people advice on something that I have no idea what I'm not an expert on. So it's important to, to become knowledgeable on, on on issues. And a lot of times they'll gear certain articles to people who are. You know, if, if someone maybe has experience as a police or, or military sniper, they'll send that person sniper rifles to test out. If someone has experience in law enforcement, they may send that person more law enforcement stuff to test out. But you don't have to be a, a gunsmith or a law enforcement guy or a military guy to be able to write about this stuff. I mean, my experience in, in the military was extremely limited and, and you know, not recent. Uh, so, but, you know, the, the more knowledge you have, the, the better off you have, the more experience you have, the more things you can talk about. Definitely read up. The ma- read on the magazines up as, as much as possible to get familiar with the, with the content and the style. And then the, the next most important thing, other than being able to write and be knowledgeable, is being able to take pictures. Because especially for online, they they want a lot of photographs, you know. And so you got to be you got to first thing I did is went out and bought myself a you know good quality camera, the digital camera that can start taking lots and lots of pictures because you know they can't be blurry. It's got to be clear. You got to focus on the details of the guns. Uh, when you do events, you know they want action shots people doing stuff, not people just standing around, because a lot of this stuff is very visual, especially for the magazines on the newsstand, you know, it's, it's those, that image on the cover that, that catches your eye. You know, you pick up the magazine, you start leafing through it, it's pictures in the, you know, in the, in the types of the articles that interest you into reading the article. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of having good quality photographs and, and, and knowing how to take quality photographs. And I myself, I am not very good at the photography, fortunately, and I'm, you know, taking some, deciding on myself for some classes to become better at it, but I do the best I can, but that's, that's a really important skill to, to learn nowadays for gun writing. Hmm. That's uh, something I wouldn't have thought that you need to be a photographer to uh, be a good gun writer, but that's, you know, good advice to know. I've got some, I had sent you some of these questions before, but, uh, you know, what fun would it be if I didn't put you on the spot with some questions I didn't tell you about? So sure. here goes. You, you can pick one handgun. What kind of handgun is your preferred handgun? Any manufacturer? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very partial to the Glock, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I remember when the Glocks first came out, I couldn't stand them. Uh, I thought it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. But, you know, the more I got to shoot them, the more I spent time, time that I spent around them, the, the, I've become a real big fan of them. And, you know, it's, um, I just, uh, I just like the simplicity. I like that it's, it's not a lot of bells and whistles. You, you squeeze a trigger and the thing works. And I've, um, you know, I've been shooting mine for, for a long time and a lot of different Glocks and I've never had an issue with any Glock I've ever had, you know, which is, is somewhat impressive because, you know, I've, I've tested a lot of good, different guns from a lot of different manufacturers and, you know, sometimes you, you know, invariably, occasionally you'll have an issue, but I, it's never happened to me with the Glock. 
Okay, so you've, you've narrowed it down to Glock. What model? Yeah. Uh, well, there again, and, and uh, I know not everybody's a big fan of Glock, but uh, and here again, my, my choice of caliber might be, and model might be, comf- you know, uh, uh, people might complain, but uh, yeah, I like the Glock 19. Uh, I like the 9mm Glock 19. I like 9mm for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's, it's easy to find. It's not expensive. It's easy to shoot. And now with uh, your modern defensive loadings, you know, uh, bonded bullets and good expanding ammunition, it's... Um, you know, it's not your old 115 grain full metal jacket 9 millimeter anymore. This is a very effective cartridge that you know that has good penetration and good expansion. So um, I'm, you know, I'm just a big fan of 9 millimeter. I know this other cartridges are more powerful, but that's sort of the, the to me the best all around uh, cartridge. Yeah, it's... and it, and the 19 is a nice gun because it's it's nice and compact. You know, I always thought that the 17 for for 9 millimeter was kind of oversized. So it's it's a good compromise between a, a home defense gun and a, and a carry gun. Yeah, it is pretty much the the quintessential concealed carry handgun, I, I believe. I mean, I think if you, you know, if I had to guess, not knowing what you were going to say, I mean, I, I probably would have gone with Glock <laughs> no, 19, just play the odds. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, because it's, it does it's seem, it is such yeah, a popular I think it's one of the most firearm. popular ones. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it is very popular. Now, of course, for concealed carry, um, you know, I, I primarily will do a pocket 380, just because it's the most convenient, easiest, and most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, but you know, if I'm... You know, with a with, with a loose shirt, or especially in the winter, you know, Glock 19 on a belt holster or inside the inside the uh, waistband holster is it's very convenient, very easy to carry. All right. Well, you know what? You know, I teach at SIG, so I'll have to edit all that out. But uh, <laughs> you know, but. I, I haven't had you know I've had a lot of experience with the SIG rifles, and I'm a big fan of the SIG rifles. I haven't had a lot of experience with the SIG pistol. Which, you know, hopefully, that'll change. Yeah, you'll have to come visit us again. Absolutely. All right. Here's the uh, the next question: AR or AK? Uh, it's, um, I mean, I like both, but it's, and I have both, but it, for me, it's, it's, it's the AR all the way. And it's just, um, the ergonomics of it, the convenience of it. I mean, it's, you know, and I, I've written about this a lot is that the, the AR sort of feels to me like it was designed for the consumer. Whereas, uh, the AK, um, was designed for the manufacturer, you know, so if, if, if what I mean by that is the AK was designed for ease of manufacture rather than ease of use. So, I mean, AK is a very simple design, very easy to use, very easy to learn, but, you know, it's, it's not quite as ergonomic as, as the AR. AR, you can just drop that magazine, just push up a button, slap another one in there. You know, it, this having to rock the magazine in is something that I think takes a little more getting used to. I mean, it's something that can be done very easily and very quickly, but it takes, it's more, there's a little bit more of a learning curve with that mm-hmm. uh, to do it quickly. Also, you know, you have your, your charging handles on the on the right side on the AK, so you kind of have to reach over there to operate or take your hand off the grip to, to operate it, which with an, with an AR, especially with extended charging handles, that's something you can keep a good firm grip on the on, on the pistol grip there and then just operate that charging handle with the other other hand. So it's um, uh, just an easier to shoot rifle, easy, you know, more ergonomic, more user-friendly, kicks less. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of recoil. So, but if, um, you know, in terms of reliability, I mean, I, I'd have to give the edge to the AK and... I mean, now you've got a lot of the piston ARs. Like I know SIG obviously has some, uh, some very nice piston ARs, which might even even the reliability odds. But, uh, I mean, I guess if I was, you know, slugging through the mud on a regular basis, you know, I, I, might, I might pick up an AK instead. It, it really depends. Uh, but just for, just for everyday stuff, uh, I really like the AR. And that's, you know, that's sort of, you know, a lot of the guys in the military, that's sort of what they got used to. And you, you tend to prefer the things that you're used to. So Yeah, that, that surprised me a little bit because, you know, uh, I mean, we're talking on Skype right now. You know the picture I'm looking at as we speak, right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's not an AK though. That's um, that's actually a 22 rifle I've got on me. It's uh, the um, American Tactical Imports is bringing in these um, STG 44 lookalikes. Oh. Um, 
the old uh, World War II German assault rifle, the, the original assault rifle, mm-hmm. which is eight millimeter short uh, cartridge assault rifle. And uh, they're making they're, those are made in Germany in 22, and they're being imported by uh, ATI. Uh, and they're I'm in I'm in line to get one for review, and hopefully that should be the, they're just coming in now. But they had those at the shot show or uh, letting people test fire them, and it's uh, it's a pretty nice, uh, pretty interesting little kit, especially if you like the historical stuff. But it does look like a AK. A lot of people kind of blame accused Kalishnikov of stealing that design. Mm-hmm. Uh, which he says he did not, but uh, they, they are they do look very similar. Now, some that you had kind of touched upon. You said you preferred the ARs, gas impingement or piston. Do you think do you think the the piston guns? Obviously, they're more expensive, and you know they tend to run cleaner. What are your thoughts? Do you think it's it's worth the additional expense? Well, uh, you know, having spent many many years cleaning ARs, um, you know, uh, uh, gas impingement ARs, it gets old. <laughs> it gets old <laughs> fast. Uh, so. Uh, I, I have test fired a lot of uh, different uh, AR piston guns. Even um, there's a piston conversion kit that Osprey Defense sells. We can take your gas impingement gun and convert it to a piston gun. And that's the, so if you already have a, a gas impingement gun and you want a, a piston, you don't have to buy a whole other gun. You can just buy this conversion kit and make it into a piston gun. And it actually works quite well. And I'm I'm pretty impressed with the piston guns. There was some issue with the carrier tilt with the, the uh, the bolt carrier was kind of hitting the back of that buffer a little bit, but that that's largely been resolved by now as, as the manufacturers become better at making these piston guns, uh, and they they do run incredibly clean. I mean, you put a full magazine through the, one of those piston guns, you take that bolt out, and it's it's still cool to the touch and clean. You know, all that grime and dirt is all at the front of the at the gas system. It makes it a lot easier to clean. It makes it a lot more reliable. So. I am a big fan of the piston guns. Some people say that, well, you know, there's, there's uh, an issue with uh, they're not as accurate. I haven't seen that. In my experience, that they're pretty much just as accurate as, as the gas impingement guns. So, uh, you know, to each his own. Yes, the, the gas impingement guns are, are a little bit cheaper than the uh, um, the piston guns. But, you know, I, I think it's it's worth it. If you have the money, it's worth it for the, for the extra reliability and, and less headache in terms of cleaning. All that time you save not having to be cleaning, you can be... Uh doing a little more shooting or something the only uh the only drawback that i see with gas impingement guns is that you know there isn't one gas impingement system there's multiple gas impingement systems so if, if you know you're worried about a situation where you have a gun and you may need to get spare parts and it might be hard to get spare parts you know with a gas impingement gun with a standard ar you're going to be able to find spare parts that's not going to be a problem mm-hmm. uh, with a piston gun it, it may be difficult because, you know, the the SIG piston is different than the HK piston. It's different piston conversion kits. It's different than some other manufacturer's piston. They, they, they all use slightly different parts. So that is something to consider if, if, if you are thinking, you know, long-term down the road, if I need spare parts, how easy is it for me to find spare parts? Yeah, that's a good point. The uh, Those of us preparing for the zombie apocalypse, that could be, uh, you know, something we'd want to stock up on. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, I've learned my lesson in, in, in uh, taking ARs apart and, you know, there's a lot of little pieces. You lose a spring, you lose a pin, the whole gun is down until you get a replacement pin. So I've um, I've already taken the steps, you know, you can order <laughs> the extra pin and spring kits, you know, little spare part kits. And it's, it's a good idea to go ahead and just have one of those handy because you're invariably going to lose something uh, or something will break. So just have your, your little bag full of spare parts, you know, extra firing pins, extra springs, extra cotter pins and everything else you need. Just have those handy because sooner or later something's going to go flying and you won't be able to find it now are you um the next question would depend if you're much of a shotgunner but uh mossberg or remington well the, the you know the 870 is the most popular uh, pump shotgun out there. and then of course the second most popular shotgun out there's uh, the mossberg 500 i've always been a, a mossberg guy and i guess i got i got the mossberg initially just because it was cheaper you know some you know the mossbergs do tend to be a little bit cheaper than the remingtons and, and that's how i ended up with a mossberg to start off and i always had mossbergs 
they're, they're both pretty good. I mean, I think that the Remington has a smoother action. Sort of, it's a, sort of, in terms of a pump gun, it's got a nicer action. But I do like, I prefer the Mossberg safety, you know, the, the, uh, the, up there on the, on the tang. Mm-hmm. With the, you can hit that with a thumb a lot easier. So it's, uh, it's a matter of preference. I think they're both very good guns. I, I, it's hard to go wrong with either one. Yeah. Um, in terms of pump guns, I'm, the, the one that sort of I've, I've sort of flipped out of recently, you uh, Caltech KSG. Mm-hmm. I did get a chance. To, I mean, you still can't find them anywhere, but I did get a chance to write one up for um, Shooting Illustrated, test that one out. And that's, you know, you got a, a bullpup, pump action, 15 shot shotgun that's basically illegal in all 50 states because hmm. it's a pump action gun. And it's got the 18 inch barrel, 26 inch overall length. It's got the double magazine tube so you can switch from one to the other in case you have two different loads or just for extra capacity. You know, and it's just, uh, it's just a really slick, slick gun. And, and you know, I, I told him, it's like, hey, you know, I want to buy it. You let me know when they're available and I'll, I'll send you a check for whatever you want. That was, that was a really cool gun. But I know a lot of people complain that they're having a hard time finding them, and hopefully Caltech will, will ramp up the production up enough uh, where they can get, where they get m- more of them out there. Yeah, I've never uh, I've never had one in my hand. How uh, how heavy is that with all 15 rounds in place, ready to go? Is that something you'd uh, want to tote around all day, or you know, it, well, it's all, all fully loaded. I think it came in under under 10 pounds, which you know you get some of these some of these ARs, and you start putting all your optics in there and all your extra gear and you know all the attachments, and the quad rails, you know. You get plenty of ARs that you get to 10 pounds or more fully loaded. Mm-hmm. So it's comparable to that fully loaded, but it's very well balanced because since it's a bullpup design, you know, that weight is right in the middle where, the, where you're holding the pistol grip. So uh, it's, it actually feels a lot lighter than it is. Hmm. You know, with a lot of guns, you, know, you have all the weight kind of out towards the front, and yeah. so you get a lot of arm fatigue. With this gun, the weight's a lot further back, and that also helps actually with the recoil. You don't get, you know, with a lot of shotguns, especially when you're shooting heavy buckshot loads, uh, you get a lot of muzzle flip. The muzzle comes up on you. With this gun, since the weight is so much further back towards your shoulder, the recoil is all straight back. You, you get almost no muzzle at all, uh, so it's really easy to stay on target with it. Well, I've got a uh, a question from a that a listener had sent in. I asked if you know any of the listeners had any particular questions. A listener named Paul had a couple questions, and you already gave us some uh, some tips about what it takes to become a professional firearms writer. But what are three most important keys to becoming a successful author, in your opinion? Subject knowledge, right? That's that's what I would say is, is the most important. You know, if um, if you're a writer, because I mean, you. Any kind of writing that you I mean, you could be the guy who covers the police beat for the local newspaper. You're going to want to learn the, the terms that the police officers use. You're going to want to learn, you know, uh, the types of calls that they get. You're going to learn about their equipment. You're going to want to learn all about it so that you can cover it properly. If you're the banking order for the Wall Street Journal, if you're not a banker already, you're going to want to learn the subject and learn the terms that they use. So that's that's the first thing is you want to, you want to have subject knowledge. The next thing, number two, I'd say practice. The more the more you read and the more you write, the better you get. Uh, so even if you're just blogging or whatever kind of writing you want to do, you, you want to just start writing as much as you can and practice. Let other people read your work. You know, be open to feedback for people to try, try to improve your, your quality of your writing. And then the last one, again, photography. You know, you really got to get that photography down because that's especially for online stuff. If it's, Nobody wants to just sit there and read page after page of text. They want to look at the images. They want to look at the pictures. So, you know, good quality photos is absolutely essential. You don't have to become, you know, a professional photographer, but the better job you can do, the better off you are. And, and uh, a lot of times on the guns that I review, you know, after I'm done with the review, we'll send them off to a, a photographer who does, you know, the really nice glossy layouts with the smoke machine and the different colored <laughs> lights and all the crazy backgrounds. And, you know, he sets it all up or, or a lot of times for some of the personal defense magazines that you know, he has all these bring you know, bring in professional models you know to like pretend like she, she just woke up and she's reaching for her gun and it's the middle of the night you know so they do a lot of that stuff 
I mean, if you can get to that point and be a writer, you'd be golden because then you'd be getting the writing money and the photography. So it's, uh, those are, but to get back to your question, those are the, the top three things. Subject knowledge, practice, 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 and, and just learn to f- take some good pictures. And with me, my secret on the for photography is the digital camera. I just take as many pictures as possible that some of them come out right. And, and usually I have one or two that, that work for me. Excellent. Uh, my next question uh, and this is again from Paul. What, in your opinion, are the three best innovations in the firearms world? Well, that, that's a, that is a really good question, and, and um, you know, I've been. Yeah, I guess it depends on, on you know how old the person is that you ask, right? Uh, so I mean, I, I got into this stuff 25 years ago, 30 years ago, yeah, 30 years ago, and I'd say in that time, probably the first thing is the use of polymers. You know, you didn't 30 years ago, you didn't see a lot of what they called plastic guns. And, and like I said, at first, I don't, I wasn't a big fan, but it, it certainly grew on me. And, and, the, and the polymers are. You know, stronger than steel, sturdier than steel. You don't have to worry about corrosion. You don't have to worry about rust. You don't have to worry about scratching the finish. And and they actually succeeded in bringing down the cost of firearms as well. These things have to be made. You know, the Glock had to be made entirely out of steel. It costs a lot more than it does. So it's. I think the polymers, the use of polymers, is the first, the first thing that, that really sort of jumps out at me in terms of new innovations. Keeping in line with that is, is the advent of the striker-fired system. Uh, like the Glock, like the Springfield XD, like a lot of other guns nowadays, uh, the striker systems, that, that sort of, they basically split the difference between a single and double action because they give you the benefit of having the, the, the same trigger squeeze every time, uh, which really helps a lot of shooters, especially new shooters, master that, that trigger. Uh, and you're mastering that trigger. That's the key in getting shots on target uh, in your shot placement. So the striker systems, I think, striker-fired systems are, are really a good so, I mean, innovation that came up originally in the 70s, but in the last several years has really taken off and, and really made shooting a lot easier for a lot of people. And then last, the third one would be uh, the advent of uh, holographic and red dot sights. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I was on the mil- when I was in the military, th- there were no flat top ARs. You know, you wanted to put a scope on your AR, you know, you had to put it on the top of that carry handle and it was way up there. But, uh, you know, now with the flat top ARs and, and the holographic and red dot sights, it really extends the usability of, of, of these, these weapon systems because you, you get much faster sight acquisition. It's fantastic low light conditions. You start getting older. Your, your vision is not what it used to be. Those red dot sights, um, something you really learn to appreciate them. So it's uh, that, I think, those would be my, my top three. Yeah, just off the top of my head, I think. Well, that was pretty good off the top of your head. Uh, obviously, uh, you are a subject matter expert when it comes to this, so I, I think that's why it uh, shows in your writing. Jorge, just to recap where the listeners uh, of the show can find your work, it's at uh, tacticallife.com. Are there any, um, you mentioned that you, you've got a, uh, a review of Six Hour Academy that's going to be coming at some point. Do you have any other um, articles that we can look forward to? I, I always got something good coming out. I just did uh, just did a review on um, some new, um, Christensen Arms uh, has a, a couple of ARs that are really innovative. They use carbon fiber on the barrels. So you have a thin steel sleeve and then it's a, like a, a bull barrel, but it's all carbon fiber. And then the, the construction of, of the uh, handguards and everything else is all carbon fiber as well, which gives you a very, very accurate rifle that's also very lightweight. So that's that's actually a pretty cool innovation that they came up with. That I, I did a review with their 223 rifle and their 308 rifle. But there's always good stuff. If you keep checking on Tactical Life, uh, you'll see some of the videos. Uh, you'll see a lot of the coming articles and pieces. I'd also encourage people to go to, to American Rifleman's website and uh, Shooting Illustrator's website well. So you can really get a, a full feel of, of all the different types of uh, writing that goes on. And, you know, some of it, like, with the online pieces, you can be a little more, uh, have a little more fun with them. So I uh, definitely encourage people to check some of those out. 
Well, thank you uh, once again, Jorge Amsel. Thanks for uh, carrying this interview. Obviously, it uh, it was good that one of us knew what we were talking about, and you kind of <laughs> guided me through this this first attempt. Thank you very much for coming on. And uh, anytime you have something that you want to, if you want to talk about uh, something you want to plug or whatever, you know, I hope uh, hope you'll reach out to us. Well, thank you very much, John. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. And again, anybody has any questions, they're more welcome to follow up with me, and I'd be happy to put them in touch with my editors if, if someone is interested in maybe doing some writing. All right. Thank you, Jorge. Thank you. Thanks again to Jorge Amsel for his interview. Some of the websites that we mentioned during the interview, uh, tactical-life.com, also americanrifleman.org, and shootingillustrated.com. like to thank the Gun Dudes, a Roadgunner podcast, for recent mentions on their shows. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please join the NRA, Second Amendment Foundation, or the organization of your choice. Uh, if you're looking to keep in touch with us, uh, check out our site on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, Google+, and for email, either daniel at gunfightercast.com or john at gunfightercast.com. Thank you for listening, and for Daniel, Gunfighter Cast out. Thank you.